At the best of times, healthcare can prove challenging to deliver. While demand continues to steadily increase, resourcing may not be able to move at the same pace. And that is where clinical innovation comes in. Looking at things from a different angle, investing in new technology, or supporting the workforce to work at their fullest scope, these projects are the heart and soul of the theme, Solving the Puzzle. Thank you for that kind introduction. And thank you everyone for coming to uh, our session this afternoon. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands where we gather today and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. On behalf of my colleague, Dr. Dan Halliday, sitting over there, I'd like to present our model of rural multidisciplinary medication outreach service. Now, I'll just clarify, when we put in this abstract uh, back last year, we thought that name was a really good name and it was the name we started with. It's a mouthful. I said to Dan last night, I'm sick of that name and we have actually changed our name to the Community Integrated Care Team, Kick for short, much easier to remember. Um, for those who, of you who are not familiar with where Stanthorpe is, we're about Three and, a half, three and a half hours drive southwest of here, and we are the coldest hospital in Queensland. This beautiful photo was taken by Dan in 2015 when we had snow fall in Stanthorpe, which was a very exciting thing. We're predicting it this year if anyone wants to come visit. So we've been rolling with this service now for about three years um, and we believe we've moved beyond a pilot point with it that it's almost a business as usual but we also feel that it's something that could be rolled out into more rural facilities so hence I'm here today. Now I'm just going to get my head around all these tech all these gadgets. So a bit of background to, to where, we, where we started. We all know that Australians living in rural and remote locations have shorter life expectancies, higher levels of disease and poorer access to health services. In 2016, an AIHW study found that patients living in rural and remote communities were twice as likely not to have their care needs uh, communicated back to their GPs after being discharged from hospital. We know that every... Actually, it was on Channel 9 News the other night. Apparently, the figure's gone up to uh, 250,000 medication-related admissions in Australia every year uh, with a cost of $1.2 billion. So I'm a pharmacist, so therefore my slant on that is medication management. Um, I've done an extensive, a lot of work and literature review in this, and we know internationally that pharmacist-led programs post-discharge, particularly those delivered in those first three to five days post-discharge, can reduce hospital readmissions by up to 36%. Um, we, prior to um, my arrival at Stanthorpe Hospital, Dan did a small snapshot audit in 2017 and they identified that 69% of our patients admitted at Stanthorpe Hospital had medication changes during their admission. 
We also identified issues with the communication of that back to GPs. We found gaps in uh, discharge summaries and there was a, a lack of, of con a medication continuum of care. So following that audit, Dan uh, came up with a business case which he presented to our then HSCE, Dr Peter Gillies. At this point, there was no pharmacist in Stanthorpe Hospital, uh, which is a common thread for a lot of rural facilities. We don't have on-site clinical pharmacists. So in early 2019, I was appointed into this foundation role um, with some clear directives. That was to improve the medication continuum of care, improve communication between the hospital and primary care providers. It was designed as a pharmacist role, traditional clinical pharmacist role with a twist. And the twist was the reach out into the community and to engage our primary health practitioners and our community pharmacists as well. Part of the, the deal was to try and reduce medication mis, uh, misadventure and improve our patient outcomes. So I was given that's what we want to achieve, but with no clear direction of what, what, what it was going to look like. So we had to dream up something. So I came up, came up with my magical green circle. This is, this is utopia. I want everyone in the same loop with the patient at the centre of all care. Hospital pharmacists, hospital medical staff, GPs, community pharmacists, allied health, community nurses, everyone working together, sole focus, patient. Once again, drawing back to medications, I looked at existing models of care that are available for patients post-discharge that focus on um, medications. We have a, a wonderful model called a meds check that's run through community pharmacies. Amazing model, but it's one, a pharmacist and a community and, and a patient. And it works as a silo. It's great for the patient. They get to sit and talk to the pharmacist, their local pharmacist, but no one else knows what's going on. And the local pharmacist also often doesn't know what's uh, taken place in the hospital. They don't know what medication changes have happened. Home Medicines Review, the HMR, it's a gold standard for pharmacists. It's a wonderful model. Pharmacists go on a, a GP referral, go and visit their patients at home, right back to the GP, everyone's in the loop. Guess what? There aren't enough accredited pharmacists living in rural Australia. The waiting times are up to three months, which isn't great in a post-discharge setting. So it didn't work. So we knew if we could come up with a hybrid somewhere in there and, and fix our discharge summaries, we might be winning. So we knew what we wanted to do. We just didn't know who we were going, who we were going to target the, the most or who were our priority groups. So we once again looked at all the literature, talked to a lot of my colleagues both uh, internationally and um, in South Australia and a lot of them had some wonderful risk tools about well if someone's on four medications and they have poor cognition and um, they've had multiple changes in medication we know that they're at high risk of medication misadventure. So we came up with a tool. I will say in passing that the tool we now feel we need to adapt more for the rural setting because we certainly have identified that our patients have different risks, we think, to, to what are identified in some of these metro design tools. I came up with a dream team. You've got to remember every, every second day I'd be in Dan's office and say, this is what we could do. This is what we could do, but 
then he'd say, no, no, we don't have the resources for that. But I came up with the, with the uh, dream team, which obviously would be medical superintendent as oversight, community ph or clinical pharmacist, myself, uh, some community nurses, a GP registrar. We have a fabulous GP uh, registrar training model at Stanthorpe Hospital and some fabulous registrars. So we wanted to bring one of those into the team. And then our PRN Allied Health as we needed them because we also have a fabulous team there. Then we thought, right, now we know who our patients are, our team, what are we going to do? We had low risk patients, you know, someone who's come into hospital, broken bone, but not very many changes to medication. We might have tweaked uh, an anti-diabetic medication. Low risk, great time to Im include the community pharmacist with patient consent. Ring the local community pharmacist, say, hey, John's been in, we changed that drug. Can you sit down, have a chat with him and let me know? So it's morphed the meds check model that currently exists into a hospital referred meds check. Then we had our moderate risk patients that I would identify normally as being a, a, someone that an accredited pharmacist would see, but we didn't have any. So I stepped into that role and visit patients at home post-discharge to talk about any medication-related issues. Then we have we identified our high-risk patients and they're those heart sink moments. You look at them on the ward and you put bubble wrap around them and think, we're going to send you home and this could work or this could not work. And we give them the silver star. It's not dissimilar to the HIF model. Um, and that's where we start with our home visits, just like you. But we, and it, it varies. It'll be myself and a community nurse, be myself and the GP Reg. Could be all of us. We actually have had five people in one car at one point in time, all of us going to visit the same patient. We don't have an exit point. We just, and sometimes we can visit someone every day for a week. We can visit someone every week for a month. Or currently we have our longest stay, which is someone we visit every week and we've been doing it for 18 months. But she was someone we were seeing in hospital all the time. All the time. She's been home. We've seen her back in hospital once. So just putting that buffering around her. What do we do? What don't we do? We, we talked the other day about what we sat down as a team and said, well, let's list all the things we really do. And someone said, well, I take Joe's bins in every week so he doesn't fall bringing in his bins. And then we looked at all the other things. I do a lot of fruit bowl interaction studies where I walk in and see all the things in the fruit bowl that are medication related that my grandson gave me because it might work. So we do some of that. Recently, more so, we've been help assisting a lot of people to palliate at home. And actually, I just got a text from a family who um, their loved one palliated a few weeks ago. And she said, I know you're doing the talk about that model today. Good luck. I hope that everyone listens because you're really special. So that's fabulous. So, and in a rural community, these things are really Im important. So... I took a, we don't have numbers like Toowoomba Base Hospital, we're a mere, mere baby sister, but over the last three months we've seen uh, 46 patients, average age 79, most common diagnosis, congestive heart failure. 
in the few remaining minutes, I just want to draw um, to we have started to use a LACE score to calculate someone's readmission risk. Um, and the LACE tool is something that's been validated by uh, a group in Canada to identify patients' uh, risk of readmission within 30... Risk of readmission within 30 days um, or death. Very cheery. So we've been... We've used that... Um, so... We've used this tool. Van Wall Raven puts a number to a lay score, highest lay score being 19, meaning someone's risk of readmission is around 47%. We've looked at a lot of our patients and found that a lot of our high-risk patients are sitting in that, in that 47%. And then we've looked at what our readmission rates are. So Van Wall Raven has predicted uh, patients um, with a very high risk have a 30 to 43% risk of readmission we're seeing about a 12% readmission rate amongst our patients in our, in our KIC um, program. And our high uh, patients with a high LACE score, we're seeing around the 10% readmission rates. We are clinicians. We're not statisticians or researchers, so we're certainly not going to hang our hat on this and publish this. It's a trend. We certainly will need a lot more data and a, a, a lot more scaffolding around it. But I guess for us, proving that we're doing something that potentially makes a difference, this is a starting point for us. Um, moving forward, other than a name change, we would like to work with another rural facility to see if we can look at our model and the model not being rolled out in there. So somewhere like Gundawindi, where a community integrated care team of the pharmacist doesn't exist versus Stanthorpe, and see if we can see a real uh, a difference as opposed to just a, a trend. So name change, uh, a lot more work validating our, our service, some mixed methods analysis. Obviously, we've got a lot of qualitative comments that we're, we're pulling from. Um, and hopefully maybe roll it out in a few more other rural health facilities if anyone's interested or if the Hith team in Toowoomba would like to help us, that would be fantastic. <laughs> so in closing, I'd just like to um, acknowledge our fabulous team, most of whom can't be here because they're all back in Stanthorpe at work and that would be at the two fabulous uh, nurses that we work with out there, Marsha and Kelly. Uh, we have, as I said, some fabulous GP registrars. Uh, Dr Michael Wimbley is, is one of those and obviously my colleague Dan Halliday. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.